I just want to make sure you guys know that I love you, right? Yeah? Okay, because I do. The other day, my wife and I were talking. I said, man, CJ, I wish there was a way that I could get to know every single one of you. So here's what we're going to do this morning. The count of three, I want you guys to yell out your name to me. That way I get to meet every single one of you. That sound good? You ready? One, two, three. Thank you, Julio. My name is Eddie. It's a great meeting, you guys. Awesome. Thank you for being here this morning. Let, let me ask you guys. Have any of you ever questioned God? Have you ever been in a situation, a storm, if you will, where you're just asking God, God, what's going on? God, when is this storm going to end? God, why am I here? It's not that you don't believe in God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm asking is, have you ever doubted God's presence? Have you ever questioned God? Church, I have. And I'm pretty sure most of you have as well. Today we're going to start, restart our series in the gospel according to Mark. We're going to jump in where we left off last semester in September. And before we get started, I want to just remind us of what the overarching theme is in the gospel according to Mark. And here's what it is. Is that Jesus is a suffering servant who gave his life as a ransom for mankind. That is the overarching theme. The gospel according to Mark is definitely Christ-centered. It's all about his perfect obedience in life, doing the will of his Father. It's about his sacrifice. It's about his resurrection. But the purpose, the purpose of Mark writing this awesome gospel is to declare who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God. As a matter of fact, he opens up in the very first verse with his purpose. And here's what he says. Mark 1.1. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And notice, he says, it is the beginning of the gospel. If you're with us here on Friday as we had an awesome worship night, we were told what the gospel meant. And the gospel means good news. And so Mark says, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, in Hebrew, is Yeshua. We get this name Joshua, which literally means Yahweh is salvation. And so Mark is saying the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Christ is a Hebrew title, which means Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was anointed by God himself. So Mark, right off the bat, says the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God points to the unique relationship that Jesus has with God the Father in heaven. When Mark is declaring that Jesus is God, fully man, but yet fully God, his purpose is to prove to every single person that hears or reads his gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So with that being said, I want us to jump back into where we dropped off last semester. That's Mark chapter 4. So open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 35 and go through verses 41. Mark chapter 4. 
Let me just recap real quick what we learned so far in the beginning of this chapter. We read that Jesus has thousands of people all around him. People have heard of the miracles that he has performed, of the great teachings, the teachings that he had done with authority. So he's by the Sea of Galilee. So we read that he gets into this boat and he uses his boat like a pulpit so people can hear him. And he begins to teach, but he starts to teach in parables. He teaches one parable after another parable after another parable. He teaches a parable about a, about a sower, a man who goes out into the field and sows seeds. He talks about a parable about a lamp under a basket. He talks about a parable about a seed growing. He tells everybody there a parable about having faith like a mustard seed. Nine parables to be exact. Teaching after teaching, parable after parable, all day long. He is tired, church. And here's where Mark begins in verse 35 of chapter 4. He says this, on that day, it's still the same tiresome day that he's been teaching all day long. On that day, when evening had come, he said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. Take note of this. It's his idea to get on a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. So he says, let's get on the, on the boat and go to the other side. And it says, and leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And then a great windstorm arose and the waves breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. It was about to sink. Verse 38, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And so the disciples wake him up and, and say to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then Jesus said to them, why? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea, they obey his voice. They obey him. In 1953, U.S. meteorologists began to name hurricanes and storms after women. Rumor has it, I don't know, it's what I research. R rumor has it that these names came from ex-girlfriends and wives. I don't know. That, that's what I heard. And then in 1978, these meteorologists started to use men's name to name these hurricanes, these storms like Hurricane Irma or Hurricane Harvey. You guys know what I'm talking about? Turn to your neighbor and say, I know what he's talking about. Yeah. So let me ask you, what would you name your storm that you are in right now? See, I love what one pastor says. He says this, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're going to go into a storm. You're heading into one. And that's true in life. You're in a storm right now. There's a storm in your near future, or you're just getting out of a storm. So what is the name of your storm right now? Please don't shout out your spouse's name, please. 
But is it depression? Is the name of your storm anxiety? Is the name of your storm a broken relationship? Is it a financial crisis? Are you in a storm right now that you feel that your children are out of control and you don't know what to do? Is the name of your storm cancer? Is it illness? Is it the death of a loved one? And because you're in a storm right now, you're looking up to God and asking God, why? Why is this happening to me? God, where are you? God, don't you care? I mentioned that it's happened to me in my storm. I remember years ago when I first became a believer, my brother and I had these successful businesses. We were into the trucking business and one of our drivers had an accident. We had a lawsuit and, and then just word got out. And just like overnight, it seemed like we'd lost all our business. And I took my family into this financial crisis. And I remember sitting and saying, God, really? Here I am serving at your church. I'm doing everything. I'm ushering. I'm doing all these things. I'm out in the street declaring who you are. And really, this is how you're paying me, God? This is what Christianity is all about? Where are you? Don't you care? Have you been there? Are you there now? What I'd like for us to do for the remaining of our time together is I want to go back to these verses that we just read. And I want us to really remember these two promises. Two promises we're going to flesh out. And here they are. I'm in the storm with his presence and I'm in this storm for his purpose. Will you say that out loud with me, please? I'm in the storm with his presence. And I'm in the storm for his purpose. In your storm, you need to remember that promise that he is there. His presence. And more importantly, you need to remember there is a purpose. His presence. His purpose. So let's go back and reread these verses. So the disciples... They find themselves in an unexpected storm. And here's what it says again. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let's, let us go across to the other side. Again, whose idea was it to get on the boat and go to the other side? Every time you're asked a question at church, the answer is Jesus. It was Jesus' idea. Guys, listen to me. Obey me. We're going to get in the boat and we're going to go to the other side. So what happens? So they get on the boat. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. Now, if you were with us in the beginning of this series back in September, I mentioned to you that the author, Mark, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Mark writes this gospel and he's a no-detailed kind of guy, my kind of guy. Gets to the point. And he's rushed. As a matter of fact, he uses his word continuously and immediately and immediately and immediately. About 41 times we see this word in this gospel. But yet here he gives us some details that the other gospel writers don't give us when they're writing about this story. For example, he says, the boat. He doesn't say a boat. He's telling his audience it's the very same boat in which Jesus was teaching this long day of teaching. He also says that there were other boats along with Jesus that followed him to go to the other side. Which leads us to believe that this boat was a small boat. 
He couldn't hold all of the disciples, all of his followers. But notice he mentions that the apostles or the disciples took him just as he was. Emphasizing that it had been a long day. Jesus probably hadn't eaten anything and he was definitely tired. Verse 37, it says this, and a great, that word great in Greek is megos, where we get our English word mega. And it says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So they get into this boat because Jesus instructs them to get into this boat. It was his will for them to cross the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is not really a sea. It's just a big lake. I've got an image on the screen behind me. Now, this sea is about 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide. And as you can see, it is surrounded by mountains. And because it's positioned in like a bowl, storms would arise suddenly. They still do to this day. And so picture, they're, they're in this boat, they're, they're cruising, they're sailing with Jesus. And then out of nowhere, boom, this mega storm comes. Huge storm, unexpected. Isn't that true of our lives, church? We're living our lives every day, just like if it was yesterday, in a routine. And then all of a sudden, boom. Out of nowhere, in the middle of the night, we get a phone call. Out of nowhere, we get a report from the doctor. Out of nowhere, we're told that we no longer have a job. But watch what happens next. I love this. It makes me laugh. Verse 38. But Jesus was in the storm, asleep on the cushion. Asleep. So picture with me, again, just picture with me just for a moment. I like to imagine like if I was there. They get into this boat. These are expert fishermen. They know what to do, supposedly. And the storm comes. The wind comes. Waves crashing into their boat. Their boat is sinking. They're freaking out because they've lost control. And they don't know what to do. They're panicking. We are going to die, Jesus. And then again, verse, verse 38. But Jesus was in the storm asleep, bien dormido. <laughs> Poor guy's tired. I don't know what storm you're in right now. I don't know the name of your storm. But church, the first promise you have to remember is that I'm in the storm with his presence Jesus was there with them. And scripture tells us over and over and over again the promise that he is always there. Deuteronomy 31.6, look what it says. It says, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Joshua 1.9 says this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't freak out. Your boat is not going to sink. He is there. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever, wherever you go. Doesn't matter where you go. 
David says this in Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are there with me. And then Jesus, I love this promise, Matthew 28, 20. I am with you. How long? Always. I am with you always to the end of the age. No matter your storm. I love what one pastor says, and this is so true. He says this, we get so caught up in the what of the storm, we forget the who in the boat. Isn't that true? We get so caught up that what's happening around us, we start freaking out that we forget who's in the boat with us. Church, he is with you in your storm. He is there when you get that phone call. He is there when you feel that your children are out of control. He is there when you get this report from the doctor. If you're feeling lonely, he's there. If you're feeling anxious, church, he is there. You're not alone. He is with you in your storm. Now listen, listen closely. Do not pay attention or believe those false teachings of the prosperity gospel. That once you become a Christian, that is smooth sailing. That is your best life now. No. It's totally the opposite. Once you become a Christian, you are to pick up his cross, your cross, and go. Jesus says this in John 16, In the world you will. I promise you, saying, trust me, you will have tribulation. You will feel depressed. You are going to be anxious. You're going to have death. You're going to have illness. You're going to have broken relationships. In this world, you will have storms. But he doesn't stop there. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's always remember the who in the boat and not focus on the what outside our boat. In other words, don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Even though you feel he's not there, he is there. He is always there with you. And see, how you act in the storm around you really demonstrates who you believe is in the boat with you. It really does. And see, the disciples didn't realize the who in the boat so they panicked with a what outside the boat. And here's what happens next, verse 38. And they woke Jesus up and said to him, teacher, teacher, do you not care? We're dying here. We're perishing. Do you not care? They begin to question him. Jesus, I lost my job. Jesus, I'm going through the separation. Jesus, I'm almost bankrupt. Jesus, I have this illness. Jesus, don't you care that the storm keeps coming? Sound familiar? Some of us act, and I'm guilty of that, the way the disciples were acting in their storm. Again, how you act in the storm around you demonstrates who you believe is in the boat with you. It really does. It shows the people around you who you trust by how you're dealing with your circumstances, with your storm. Verse 39, 
And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was, and here's this word again, megos. There was a great calm. Now notice Mark didn't say that Jesus got up and said, peace, be still. And the wind stopped eventually, eventually. And because the wind stopped, the waves stopped crashing into the boat. No, it says that he woke up and he said, peace, be still. And immediately, immediately there was this calmness. Do you know why? Because all of creation listens to the command of its creator. And as we see in Genesis 1, that God spoke creation into being, and it was. In the same manner, the God-man, Jesus Christ, spoke to creation. And the wind and the waves obeyed. See, Mark here is emphasizing his purpose, the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the storm stops immediately. Then Jesus looks at his disciples and says to them, verse 40, why are you afraid? Why are you so afraid? Seriously, guys, have you still no faith? They're in this storm. They're panicking and they're freaking out because Jesus is asleep. And so they wake him, wake him up. And I can imagine them all sitting there cuddled together on the side of the boat or the end of the boat, wet. And Jesus looks at them and says, why are you so afraid? You still, you still don't have any faith? In the Greek, the original Greek, it would read something like this. Why so afraid you are, still you have no faith. In ancient times, they spoke like Yoda. So they understood each other a little better. No, what Jesus says, guys, really? Really? I'm the one that said, let's get in the boat to get to the other side. I didn't tell you guys, let's get in the boat so you can die. You don't believe me? You don't trust me? After all we've been through, haven't you been there since the beginning of my ministry? Haven't you seen the miracles? Haven't you heard my teachings? I've explained the parables so you could understand you still don't trust me. You still don't believe me. You still have no faith. Do you even know who I am? And watch how the disciples react. Verse 41. And they were filled with megas, great fear. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey, obey him? They didn't say, you know what, Jesus, you're right. Man, we're so, so sorry. It won't happen again, I promise, no. It says they were filled with great fear, megas, terror. They were frightened. Do you know why this is? Because at that moment, they realized who was in the boat with them. God himself. See, we read in verse 36 that they took Jesus. It says this, they took him as he was. And now through this storm, they realized who he was. 
they realize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Again, I don't know what storm you're in right now, and I don't know what storm you're heading into, but you need to remember these promises. I'm in the storm with his presence, and more importantly, I'm in the storm for his purpose. See, the disciples obeyed Jesus and got on the boat because Jesus had a purpose for their storm. He instructed them, and so they got on the boat to go to the other side. And we saw that how they reacted in the storm around them demonstrated who they believed was in the boat with them. And how did they react? Teacher, Jesus, Messiah, do you not care? We are dying here. We're perishing. How they reacted to the standstill before them led them to a revelation of the man who was standing before them. And they said, who then is this? Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey his voice. Church, through their journey, through their storm, the disciples, they got a deeper understanding of who Jesus was. They realized that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I truly believe, as I learned in my journey, that you, through your storm, will also get a better understanding of who God is, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Again, notice how Mark uses three times this word, megos, mega, great. The waves crashing into their boat, the wind blowing, they're freaking out. A mega storm. And then Jesus gets up, he speaks, and just like that, there's a mega calmness. And when they realized this, how did they respond? Verse 41, they were filled with a mega fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They encountered Jesus Christ. They finally realized to a certain extent who was in the boat with them. And so they changed. Their faith grew. And they realized the deity of Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it again. I don't know the name of your storm. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I pray that you do remember these two promises. I'm in the storm with his presence, and I'm in the storm for his purpose. Say it out loud with me again, please. I'm in the storm with his presence. I'm in the storm for his purpose, his presence, and more importantly, his purpose. And I truly believe, church, again, like I went through my storm, my journey, I truly believe that if you keep these promises in your heart, you will go from a mega windstorm, freaking out, panicking, asking God, where are you? We're sinking here to a mega calmness when you realize his promise that he is there. A peace that surpasses all understanding to a mega fear when you realize who God truly is, knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks and praise. And Father, every single word in this book 
that I hold in my hand, the Bible, your words, points to your son, Jesus Christ. And you are a God of promises, a God that will never let us down. Father, we need to believe you, not just with our head, but truly with our hearts. He will never forsake us. He will never leave us. And we know that in this world, we will have tribulation. But we need to know even more the truth that your son has overcome the world. So, Father, I pray that anyone listening to my voice right now, and if they're experiencing a storm, it seems that it doesn't ever end. They're experiencing a storm that they don't know what to do. That they turn to you that realize the promises we just read that you're in their presence and that you have a purpose we love you father and we pray all these things in your son's name amen i love you church god bless you guys